0: What's up, everybody? I could not be more excited about what we have done with Cedar Creek Wealth. My team is absolutely killing it. We're bringing off-market, high-value deals. And over the last almost 20 years, we have been working in the self-storage industry and building this company. And I'm so proud to now offer the availability for investors to come along and invest with me and my team. If you're interested in investing alongside us, please follow the link below and check out our new fund and our new offering. Um, Could not be more proud and excited about what Cedar Creek Wealth and our team is doing here. So I'm really excited to have you join along with us. Also, not sure why, but Apple seems to have taken down So many reviews, like we were at 700, I think a year and a half ago, and we're now down at 400. We don't know why. Please do us a favor, leave a review. Let's try to build this back up. We're not sure what happened and build those reviews back. Thanks everybody. Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest-growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big-box stores, from small third-tier markets to large hundred-plus-thousand-square-foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self storage. Welcome to self storage. Income.
1: Welcome everybody to self storage income. How you doing, Connor? Doing awesome, dude. Yeah, just uh, trying to keep things organized as as usual. It's uh, it's a process, it's it's awesome though. Loving every second of it. And uh, you know, I have to smile because ever since I started working with you and with everybody here in the office, I would just like, whether it's I hear you on the phone with somebody or or whatever, and you're just doing some investor calls just before this and um, just hanging out, listening to the phone calls and, like realizing what's happening here is just so yeah. cool dude like it puts a smile on my face every time and it's, uh freaking it's a it. hive it's busy oh <laughs> huh, man yeah dude Yeah. and no, we just got cool. a
0: new project
1: under contract yeah conversion another yeah. one dude that's going to be a good one super good market super excited about it and um has a couple little hurdles we got to overcome as far as uh, some zoning stuff but Pretty simple, all said and done, compared to a couple other projects we have going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it's going to be fantastic, man. I'm looking forward to that. And um, it's going to be... I know a lot of our listeners have heard about uh, the project, the other Super Kmart project that we've done mm-hmm. in the past that was Total Home Run. Uh, this one's going to be pretty similar. So, Yes, it it's is. it's going to be exciting, dude. Yeah, super excited about that one. You know, um, to be
0: honest, everybody, we kind of... Uh, uh, did this podcast because I was like, oh, we need to insert a podcast in our lineup of podcasts because I really wanted to talk about this, and um, we have all these amazing guests lined up, and we have so many good podcasts coming in. But I'm like, I think I I, I want to talk about this really quick because it's so important, especially with what we're seeing out there today. So Connor was nice enough to say, yeah, let's let's get this one in in the lineup, and and uh, you know. And, and really try to stay on top of some of these things because I think it's important. And I've noticed, like Connor's talking about, we're, we've we been so busy over the last, oh, geez, dude, I don't know, like three months. I mean, yeah, it's two years. I don't know. Two years. Yeah, yeah, something like <laughs> that. Yeah, I don't remember. But, uh, you know, we did a fund, we have so many deals coming in, um, and we are a conservative firm. And I think that when you look, when we're looking at deals and risk and how we analyze this, I didn't, I don't think I really understood how different we were until this year. Um, For sure. And I, and I think that's, uh, I, I think that can be a problem with me because I, I just like head down on our own thing. Right. It's mm-hmm. like we're just doing our thing. Right? right. And I'm like, wait, who's doing it? Why are they doing that? And somebody's like, yeah. You know, and I and I'm not really aware of it. And it's
1: interesting because there's been a few there's been a few instances of that where we have this idea, this preconceived notion of how something should be. Yeah. Like just from our experience But but everybody does it this way. Yeah. And it's totally not what's normal. Not at all. Um, it's totally outside the box. and. I mean, just in the last couple few weeks, I feel like we've had uh, more of those realizations and, and pivoting to some of these more more mainstream concepts to help individuals understand what it is that we're doing and how yes. we're doing it, and and being able to really capitalize on the truth of what's actually happening. Yes. Yeah. Who we
0: are, yeah. what we do, and oh man, we you know, I think that this idea of being true to who you are, what makes you, you, um, we say those things a lot, but lots of times we don't even realize what they are, right? Like we Mm -hmm. don't, I don't even realize. And I I think it's like, what makes you unique and special? And that could be a lot of different things when you're investing, when you're working with others and why people go to you. And I see some people that that's not aligned. What they do and how they invest and things isn't really aligned to maybe their. Core values. So their strategy and their core competencies, plus their core beliefs, are not aligned. Yeah, I think that's all over the place. And we're very much not like that. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, and I think the reason is is because we our background, where we all came from, and we didn't we didn't come from investment firms. We didn't, you know, we. We got into the real estate game not coming from other real estate. We came from insurance, right? It Mm. was all cash business stuff. So we never had any exposure to private equity firms in real estate. That's not something I knew about, right? (laughs) I didn't do that. So when we started looking um, around and we started really analyzing, I think, other people, I, it it changed the way I understood things like risk and what we're doing. And I wanted to talk about it in this podcast so people can understand our methodology to risk that I don't think we've ever discussed before. And it's something that I hadn't thought about until I started seeing so many uh, private equity funds out there and me saying that seems outrageously risky to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, a, 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 trying to explain why to other people, mm-hmm. right? And realizing, oh, I've never even communicated some of these things, even though I inherently knew it. Uh, but, you know, we're head down and doing our things. Yeah, so it's just normal. It's just normal, right? right? Like, it's just normal. So <laughs> I want to walk yeah. people through, especially at this point in the market <laughs> cycle. And that's why I think this is important. So at this point in the market cycle, everybody knows deals are crazy, right? And we know the future is very much unsure and, and we're moving economically. We're transitioning from a COVID dumping money into the economy to trillions of dollars to something else. Okay, um, That adjustment in the economy, how capital flows, what investors do, owners, right? This is all playing out before us and no one's a hundred percent sure uh, but we do know it will be different and I definitely know it will not be like the prior three years. Um, and when we look in to this uncertainty, we see a lot of people flee to safety, right? And that safety is a, a good move. There's a reason people flee to it, right? Um, but what I realized was a lot of people were fleeing to something that they believed to be safe.
1: I was going to say, I was going to say perceived perceived safety safety
0: (laughs) that I actually would consider super risky. Yeah. Um, so let me talk about how I view some of these risks, the major risks that I view and how we do not, how we, we, how we're structured so differently to avoid those. So, um, one of the biggest risks that I believe exists for investors is time. And time, meaning the time frame in which something has to play out, right? In the long run, it's a lot easier to uh, understand value. In the short run, value is a lot harder to really understand. Um, Efficient market theory works in the long run, but it doesn't work at all in the short run. And when governments are so involved in a way that they have been, that puts even more questions up to value, right? And how value's obtained and what it'll be. Now, because of this, uh, most funds and investments and everything, and I need to preface this, this is not wrong. It's just not who we are, and I'm trying to explain why our strategy, what we do here, right? The other strategies that I'm saying, it's not wrong. It is how 90% of everybody does it. So it's not not wrong. Um, It's just different. And when we look at what I'm talking about is that there are, uh, I call it event-based investing. Um, And what that is, is that they're investing And the investment strategy is predicated on an event, meaning a sell the asset, right? Or it may be something else has to happen for that to work out. Um, I very much dislike event-based investing. That is, to me, gambling. Now, that doesn't mean it is for everybody else. That doesn't mean, but I am probably way more conservative than, than I should be. Um, maybe I was too scarred by 2008 and the great recession that we went through. <laughs> I've never lost a property, never went bankrupt. Um, and I r- definitely wanna keep it that way. And I went through that owning assets and working with companies and seeing some of the strategies and some of the reasons people failed. And it was surprising to me how many people failed that the business didn't fail. The asset didn't fail, but they still went bankrupt. Most people don't get that at all. It doesn't matter. The asset's not bad. But it doesn't mean that you can't lose it. So when you're dealing in real estate, we're dealing with things like leverage. You're dealing with third parties like banks. After the Great Recession happened, there was a fundamental reshaping of how the world viewed value. And all the people that had to refinance they had to do other activities like sell it and everything was pre done on uh, an underlying assumption of what that value was changed in two years the assets cash flowing but it's worth three million dollars less than you got it for you don't have equity it's underwater Mm -hmm. and it's gone foreclosed on it was cash flowing it was fine but when they needed to get equity the change in value made them go bankrupt so um this happened in a lot of other circumstances with uh businesses that had to roll over their capital um to just continue functioning so they they're selling they were doing great and i had clients who were working this they couldn't turn over their capital and they realized that their capital structure and how it was set up and turned over and there were holes and there were uh, things they would have never imagined that when the capital markets shut down affected them, even in solid businesses, and all of a sudden, a great business that has a great reputation as selling tons of money is uh, going bankrupt. And that was very strange conversations to be working through with business owners as we were going and they were besides themselves. I'm losing everything and nothing's wrong. Uh, And so this value issue is circumstantial and it changes based upon market assumptions, right? Lots of things. So when we have funds that are going out and they're buying and we're regressing their numbers, so we're taking a future unknown event to put together evaluation and returns right that seems outrageously risky to me and it wasn't until the last few months that i found out that that's how most people do it that's why once again i said it's not bad that's how most people do it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it's not how i do it so when they work with investors when they work with other people they say hey you're going to get this x irr it is dependent on a future sell then i start diving into the numbers what is the future sell Well, you're assuming that you're going to get a five cap at 95% occupancy at rates X higher. Well, you start doing the math on these deals and you go, okay, well, you put three, four million into it. You're going to get a two X capital. But all of a sudden, if it's a six cap, not a five cap, you just evaporated five to $7 million. Yeah. There's no return anymore. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, I start. I started looking at these things and playing it out. And these are risks that uh, I don't like. So how do we avoid these things? And that also comes into refinancing as well. So if I need to have, if my financial structure is interest only. So a lot of people, what they're doing now is I have interest only, and then I sell it at the end of three years. I can give cash flow, right? Because I don't have to pay the premium. And then the increased value will allow me to sell it. And that's how I can make such high prices work. So then you're getting hit with two. You have to sell it, right? And if you don't, you still have to refinance it. So if you can't sell it because the value's not there, you also can't refinance it. Um, and I know people that are raising hundreds of millions of dollars and everything is predicated on some of these numbers, of which a huge portion of the numbers I do not agree with at all. So. When I look at this and I'm trying to explain and as we talk to investors about it, because that's how come I really started even diving into it it was because investors were asking questions. And they're like, well, and they're the ones that brought it up. They're like, I don't, in today's environment, I think interest rates are going up. I don't think they're gonna get these low cap rates. And two, I also don't think they're gonna have 95% occupancy of which I all completely agree with, right? I don't believe that that's happening in the next two years. Strong year this year, uh, readjustment in the markets, over the next two years, especially in self-storage. Um, and we saw more deals the last month fall out than we've ever seen before in, cheese in, in our entire career in this industry. It showed all of a sudden interest rates changed, whoa, markets changed, deals started falling out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know that they are susceptible to interest rates. So, all right, now that you understand why I perceive these as risks, how I I, kind of thinking through some of the initial problems that I have it deriving financial returns based upon events. Um, Let me explain how we do it and how I try to avoid risk in that way. Let me reiterate. It is not wrong in any way, shape or form what they're doing. And by the way, if you were doing this this way for the last 10 years, that is just played out time and time and time and time and time again and you've made tons of money for you, your investors, right? I'm not bashing on anybody. I'm not saying that this is wrong. It's just not how I invest and it's and I am maybe too conservative. I fully admit that. So we get started, it was all on our cash because it was all based upon our cash flows. We were our just being my dad's cash. It was very, we couldn't lose a deal. We had no outside investors, or anything else like that. We needed the cash flow. But I did not want to happen what happened in 2008. So what we what we do and how we stagger this out is um, you've maybe heard us talk a lot about reducing risk going into non recourse. Um, But another way that we reduce risk um, in the debt structure is to try to avoid a lot of these things that make those numbers. So instead of regressing our numbers, we go forward, meaning. Our, our our underwriting is derived from the point of sale, the increasing cash flows, building out that margin. The point of sale in which we acquire. Or, excuse me. Yeah, the point yeah. of acquiring. Yeah. yeah, a point of acquiring, maximizing those yields. It's a moving forward underwriting, more than it is a regressing, coming back from that point. Now we do include a refinance in it. We don't have to do the refinance though. So. How it looks is we move into a perm loan and we want 10 years. I don't want any refinance triggers that have to happen prior to that time. And also I don't want to, I don't incorporate at all a sell, none. So none of the finances are based upon a sell of the asset and none of those um, financials uh, have to have a point within that 10 years that something has to happen. What that means is that as an operator, we can work within economic cycles and maximize the time. We stagger out our loan periods so we don't have all our loans coming due in a two-year period, right? So loans get staggered out over a long time frame. The individual loans are super long with fixed financing over that time frame. The numbers that we're compiling to get our returns are not predicated on those events, right? Refinancing it makes us pull out equity, which we want to do, we plan on doing it, gets us great returns. Even if we don't though refinance, we're still getting our payback in like seven years and we're still outperforming stock markets and everything else. And we don't have a time frame where interest only runs out, premium kicks in, and if we didn't increase that uh, revenue, right, and all of a sudden the premium kicks in, we got problems, right? None of those are, it's a standardized thing. Now-
1: And just so everybody knows, it's a principle that AJ is uh, yes. mentioning coming yes. from the insurance world. That's, it's, uh, <laughs>
0: sorry, not premium. Sorry. Yeah, I've got to switch minds here. Yeah, yeah pre- principle, uh, not premium. Some backstory yes. there, folks. Uh-huh. Right, there we go. So um, we start talking about risk and I start really getting into this. Um, now, it, there's probably a lot of people that are deep in finance that are like, you're you could be this should be shown better. You could be making more money, you could be saving a point here. And if you do this financial structure, if you did this mezzanine debt, yeah, you're right. The, the point though that I have is that I have my op, I, I have the option to, mm-hmm. I can sell, I can refinance, I can do this. And yeah, I may pay a little more to get longer term, but for me, it's insurance. That, that, mm. that extra little, you know, 20, 200 basis points, uh, you know, half a point in interest is a now I can talk insurance, is premium, <laughs> right? Uh, f- and the premium that I'm buying, uh, that I'm paying for, those premium dollars are paying for time. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting for it. And to me, time is the biggest risk. So I'm happy to pay a tiny, insignificant amount in my deals. This is another problem I have with it. If interest only is a deal breaker, why are you doing the deal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... If a half a point is going to kill the deal, I don't want to touch it. Mm -hmm. Once again, I'm very conservative. Um, So what I want to do, though, is talk to people and talk about ways to reduce risks in unknown environments that we've never talked about or done. So how am I? Why am I comfortable buying? I'm buying cash flowing assets that if in the next three years performance goes down, it doesn't matter. We're going to get through it. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll go through it. We went through it last time in 2008. We'll go through it and then we'll we'll refinance if we have this huge sell or why not? We, we can take those opportunities as they come. But we'll focus on fundamentals, maximizing revenue, improving operations and getting our
1: return through that 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 cash flow. Right. And, and we will have the cash on hand at that point in time to be able to capitalize on the opportunity of acquiring more assets. <laughs> Yes. When that correction does happen.
0: When that correction does happen. <laughs> exactly. That's what we did
1: last time as well. <laughs> so,
0: um it, So it's, it's not for everybody. And the big problem, I think, with this is, is if I'm a new fund out there and I'm trying to grow to a billion dollars, the way that we do it is very hard. I have to get off-market deals. We have to get premium assets that have high, high returns. We say no to f- hundreds of, of deals, hundreds and hundreds of deals to get to like a one, right? It's like, we can't even look at 50%. And so um, if I am trying to move a hundred million plus dollars into a space, I am buying up assets that are coming onto the market. I'm paying a premium for those assets and it really probably doesn't work unless I'm selling it at all. Mm. And I haven't seen any fund of late that I've been like, yeah, you're gonna allocate a hundred plus million dollars in six months and you can do that not having an exit at a really low cap rate because it, it doesn't work right so the downsides are that yeah you're gonna it's not going to be as you know once again my way though, we're gonna we'll hit a billion dollars in two years like we will if you i mean take a 200 a square foot which we've had offered for our portfolio alone at 2.5 million square feet what is that i don't even know here look at cash flow don't look at this so it's two five million and that's 200 bucks yeah that's half a million dollars So i guess i could have done that in my head that was (laughs) i didn't need to pull out a calculator for
1: that but um i just sat here and let you do it too then i'm I'm partly to blame hey yeah you know what it's okay we're (laughs) we're, we're thinking through this stuff guys Uh, so figured out
0: Um, you know, we're, we're not worried about it, what I, and I know that I'll get there. And so what I'm more worried about is getting a bad deal or doing a bad deal. The reason I wanted to talk about this on this podcast is because I'm hearing constantly people really nervous about where the state of the economy is. They don't understand how I'm doing deals and what happens if something goes wrong. Well, we're constructing our deal in a way that things can go wrong. I don't like, and I talk about this a lot. My margin of stupidity, everybody if the deal has to be perfect, if I have to be perfect, I don't want to do it, mm-hmm. right? I I don't. I I don't, I don't want for my investors to have to trust me that I'm gonna sell an asset at some super high price in four years that I don't know I'm making up on a spreadsheet,
1: right? I it's don't It's a know. big risk, man. And, and, and it's such an industry-wide practice that, I mean, if you are new to funds and coming into this space, that would seem like, oh, well that's just what everybody does. Um, But like you said, I mean, it's it's all relative and dynamic to what is actually occurring in these markets and at that point in time in the industry, in the cycle. Um, And AJ too, so much of what you're talking about here fits into our strategy of focusing on the micro and focusing on what we can control uh, versus focusing on, I mean, everything you're talking about has to do with a macro level zero control aspect of investing. You're yes. talking interest rates, you're talking cap rates, you're talking things that you have absolutely no control. no control over, and you're underwriting for those things with those things as if you you're you're banking on those things of actually happening. And and uh, it's uh, it's definitely worth mentioning. And I, well, and I think too, you, you bring up a good point because
0: um, another concern that I've had is that most of all the private equity firms that are starting out and coming out, they have only ever existed in an environment where cap rates were going lower and lower and lower, revenues were going up, occupants were rising. Um, A huge portion of the money flowing into storage that in the last three years has been astronomical Mm -hmm. have never been in this industry in an environment when that wasn't taking place. And I think that there's a lot of assumptions out there that people are making that aren't in line with reality. And I believe that. And um, when we do our assumptions in our models, because everyone has to make assumptions, uh, I realize that my assumptions may be flawed. So in order to protect myself against it, that's why we do certain things that we do, right? That's why I want time. That's why I want trigger points because I don't believe that I'm going to be able to do this. Is why we have to buy things off market. That's why we only measure on the spread of existing. It's like, let's measure and find the value that I can see today because tomorrow I don't necessarily know. So let's just measure on today. If it works, great. So if, mm-hmm. if, if it works, and it's a great deal today. It's going to be amazing in two years, right? So yeah. it's an incredible home run. But let's really just focus and make sure because that way too all those improvements that increase in cash flow and everything that I can get immediately when hard times come, that revenue can come off. We can go down because we built it up, right? So we have more revenue than when we started. If there's a contraction, it can come down and we're okay. Um so I I hope that I hope that everybody thinks about when the risk in an asset, when you take time out over a much longer time, that risk of a solid cash flowing asset that is diversified rents in a, a market that has high demand, the risk of something goes wrong, goes down substantially. When you're putting it in, in shorter period of time frames, um, where certain things have to happen, your, your your risk dramatically goes up. So if you're concerned about this, look at the financing structure. Look at the market, right? Look at what's on, how, what can you can change immediately within that asset. How can you improve it? Then from there, figure out if it works over a longer period, if you can hold it over a longer period of time. If you need to flip it, if you need it, there's nothing wrong with that, everybody. Go make some money. Get out there and get it, right? Mm-hmm. Do it. I'm totally all about it, 100%. Go flip those properties, do what you can, make some coin, right? But if if things just turn on, you just don't be like, I can't believe this happened, right? I mean, that's just the name of the game. I get it. I play that. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm out doing sales, things like that. So it's uh, uh, think about this in dual. I just don't want people to think that there's just no way to control risk when uh from unknowns when i there there is you can't control everything but it's they're not the same game right one is uh much more risky to me than not but yeah uh, well, been I, on my mind a lot lately
1: yeah no and again and it, it uh, stands to reason that um you would perceive it as that because i i agree um you've brought up so, brought up so many good points in regards to uh, the market what we're seeing and individuals not having been a part of any kind of downturn, it's only gone up and up and up. Um, Dude, I mean, hitting the nail on the head. And uh, it's definitely, definitely, again, worth a mention, worth people taking a step back and really looking at uh, whether you're a passive active investor, whatever that is, and looking at your underwriting, look at these deals that are being brought to you and really truly understanding, okay, what exactly is going on here? Where's the value coming from? Where's the returns coming from? and making sure, because it's, it's been interesting, too, to kind of see that dynamic with investors where it's been uh, been a lot of education, you know, which yes. is great, which is very cool yeah. going in and being able to help educate um, and inform. But, uh, no, so many good points, man. I love and,
0: it. And, and, you know, too, everybody, I think this is why we started out, because um, I hear a lot of people saying, there's no deals out there. We can't find deals, Right. And as we started this thing out, we are beyond far. This will be our biggest acquisition year yet. Um, we're not buying at ridiculous prices. We're finding incredible deals, value-add opportunities, developments, conversions. Um, and we can do it in a way that uh, even with a pullback, we're, we're okay. And I think that's the point. A lot of people assume that just because the market's at a point, it's too high, I can't be in. It's too low, nobody will give me money, right? And that's not how it works. You got to forget about that. You control the risk in ways that you can, you adapt to it, and you make deals that have meat on it. You put in the work, you go find them, you go get them done. So don't, like, just because prices are high doesn't mean there's, there's not deals out there. And this is just, we, we, I, I don't know how many times we hear this, Connor, like, um, it's endless. Right. And also people saying, I don't, the performance of storage will not continue like it has been. I agree a hundred percent. That doesn't mean I'm not going to make a ton of money that we're not going to find massive deals that we are not going to explode with our, our growth. In fact, I think the opposite. If your strategy does depend on that, that makes me a little concerned. Um, So make it work, but don't think that you just have to take on a ton of risk. Learn how to mitigate risk and learn where the true risk lies. A lot of people assume like, oh, interest only, so I'm lowering risk. How? How's that lowering risk? That's lowering payments, not lowering risk. Uh, So, you know, make sure you're evaluating things correctly and look at the points that are really important in the life cycle of that investment. If year three, your IO goes away and you have to sell at a four cap, well, you should know that year three, you've got a lot, a lot, a lot of risk, right? So is there other ways you can mitigate it? Can you have a pre-contract for someone to acquire it? Is there, like, figure it out. Mm-hmm. right and uh lower risk so you guys can be in this game for a long time to come not short term right i w- we're going to be doing this podcast in 10 years right you're going to be listening to us say something about some other market cycle or what we're seeing and and how you know just wait everybody we're going to make it uh, 15 billion dollars right this is going to be going on forever we want all of you a part of this journey
1: we absolutely do and uh make sure you guys are uh, getting at us on social media getting at us on uh, the website I know AJ you've got all kinds of stuff going on as far as communities to help educate people on these things so we've got we've got the CRE circle we've got the self-storage income inner circle both phenomenal resources for anybody looking into to getting into whether it's storage or just commercial real estate in general yeah. um, I mean those communities uh, there's so much value there dude I uh, and then the people you guys are bringing in interviewing every week uh, talking to and the podcast you're doing specifically for those uh, groups it's just the, the amount of value if you're looking to get into commercial real estate investing period, hands down. Phenomenal, dude. It's so funny you because, because we've had
0: it. so many people are like,
1: AJ, you didn't, we didn't know
0: you had an inner circle yeah uh, we've had it for how long now <laughs> a couple of years couple probably. years yeah and no, you do it's like because we don't I don't I don't ever sell so, yeah. and not sell but it's our it's our group so you, you guys want to learn more check it out we'll have the links uh, links below but I this is the time to get in the game it really it, is it, it's money out there there's money you can
1: get in get in for the long term mm-hmm. so let's yeah. do it well we just did a podcast on that recently about like right now is the time to get in if you're going to invest Did in stories, we do a rent. YouTube on that too? It was a podcast and YouTube video. That's so, right. Um, we're recording some of the podcast episodes, putting them on YouTube. If you guys want to check that out, links yes. in the show notes as well uh, for YouTube. And uh, yeah, make sure to check it out. Uh, we got a sweet studio in here now That's that we're right. in, which is cool. Uh, so, Big yeah, time. Yeah. Big time now, Connor. <laughs> we're just leveled up. That's right. Up. Well, cool. <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks a bunch, AJ, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, everyone.